Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Talking with Andrew and Chris. Yes, right now for this intro, it's just Chris, but don't worry, Andrew is on the episode. Unfortunately, he's a little sick right now at the time of recording and couldn't be around to make it, but you know what they say in show business, the show must go on. And speaking of the show, we have a great episode for you today. We speak with Jolie Lindholm of the Darling Fire. These guys are a phenomenal emo rock band. They just came out this past year. Members of bands like Shy Halud, Further Seems Forever, to name a few, the Rocking Horse winner. Please check these guys out. They're a culmination of musicians who have been around the block for a while, and they're making incredible songs, as you'll hear in this episode. Speaking of songs that we think are pretty incredible, me and Andrew, we're in a band called The Stash. That's at The Stash NY, as in New York, on all social media. Please check it out. Follow us there. Every Wednesday, we're doing acoustic performances on our Instagram. So send us any suggestions, whether it be a song of our own or covers. We'd love to hear from you. Speaking of hearing from you, please be sure to rate, comment, subscribe, like, whatever interactive tool your preferred listening service of our podcast allows you to do. That's our talking podcast pages on all those major DSPs. It'll really help us keep the show growing and going. Growing and going. I kind of like that. (laughs) And speaking of other things I kind of like, here is Omaha by the Darling Fire. Color Television Center, KMTV, Channel 3, and Microwaves, KHU 77 in Omaha, Nebraska. Now conclude the casting day. We're back with this week's guest of the Darling Fire, Jolie Lindholm. Jolie, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Doing great. Uh, you know, it's it's a good start to the week. You know, we're, we're getting in early this week, doing some podcast episodes, and we're excited to have you a part of this. So thanks for being here. Oh, thank you for asking. Yeah, so you guys actually sort of came out of nowhere, and now I can't stop seeing you on my, my feeds on, online. And I think that's a good thing. Definitely a good thing. I think they call that blowing up. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're just, you seem to be a little bit of everywhere on all of my social medias, and I think it's got to be very exciting for you considering your, your musical history, right? It's It's been quite some time since you've been back at the helm of a creative project. Yeah, I, I mean, I kind of uh, was doing some things with friends, um, but nothing full-time like this for a while since Rocking Horse. Um, really, I mean, I, I was doing a project called Popfert, but it wasn't like a full-on you know touring kind of situation so yeah it's been it's been a while so yeah it has been a lot of fun and unexpected a lot of unexpected things have been happening so so very so often a uh, very so few often on this show how do you how do you say that andrew every so often every so often i'm having a hard time with my words today but Dude, you know english what? is a tough language <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you know it's 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 few and far between that's what I was trying to say, that we have someone like you on the show who's 
A, been doing music for quite some time, but B, has taken such a long break from it. So I think it'd be interesting for you to just sort of take us through your musical history, you know, talk about Rocking Horse and even before that and bring us up till now. Sort of bring us way back, if you don't mind, just to like paint the picture for our audience. Sure. Okay. Um, Well, I guess my early beginnings would be um, uh, Chris Caraba's early project uh, band, um, Vacant Andes. And basically, um, I can't remember exactly how it started, but um, he asked me to do, we were friends at the time, and he asked me to do um, some backup on a cover song that he was doing. And um, so I did that, and I recorded that with them, actually with James Wisner um, back then. And then that kind of like led into other things. I mean, then then I was doing... Um, rocking horse and some of the dashboard stuff at the same time. Um, and, uh, and obviously I guess, you know, what happened with rocking horse, we broke up after a short, you know, it was a few years or so, maybe four years. Um, and then after that, I was basically, um, just doing whatever would come up, you know, friends would ask me to do some backups for them. So I did do that for a couple of different projects for a while. and. Uh, but nothing like full time, really. Um, and I think, and you know, I did uh, this project Popvert with these guys in Miami, and we did release a couple of things, um, an EP and a full length. Um, but we never quite. We just played a few local shows and a, and I think a couple shows in New York, and that was really it. And then um, that kind of fizzled, and then I just kind of like haven't done anything until now. And we just decided my husband and I, Geronimo is my husband. He's from rocking horse also. And um, just decided we wanted to do something again. I, I wanted to learn guitar. Um, and that kind of gave him the drive to start doing something again. So we just started writing and it led to where we are now. We didn't expect it to really turn into this actually in the beginning. So this, this project, the darling fire, that's, this is your first time like writing music. I'm sure you always wrote your vocal parts, but composing guitar parts and all that. Am I correct in saying that? Um, I haven't really written much for this. Um, actually, Geronimo took that part over mostly. Um, there have been some things that I've written for this album, just little things here and there, or that I've helped him compose, but not full on, not full songs. Okay. So, but yeah, it's the first time that I've actually contributed guitar at all to anything absolutely so why the sudden interest in guitar after all this time off of music and you know i i would like to say touring pretty consistently in your early years you know frustration for waiting for somebody to write things that i can sing over you know it was like uh you know everybody's busy and no and i didn't really have anybody to um work on music with. So I was just getting pretty frustrated. Like I wanted to do something and I wanted to have more control over what I was able to create. So that's really the reason that I wanted to learn guitar. And I actually picked it up years ago, but I never followed through. Um, so I just started learning some fundamentals and then I just kind of didn't follow through with it, unfortunately. (laughs) So, uh, but that's really the main driving force was I was just frustrated having to rely on other people to write music for me to sing over. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's got to be frustrating when you have that inside of you and you just need to wait for someone to write you a track. But like you said, life happens, people get busy, especially as projects fizzle out, you know, it's it's extremely hard to start another one up. And if you can't play an instrument, I mean, you can be the greatest singer in the world, but if no one's going to give you a track to sing over, what do you have? Exactly, right. But I actually want to like, that was great, but I want to go like, you have such a long musical history, you know, like what first inspired you to pick up a guitar and maybe take us through like the rocking horse era and sort of like how you guys got to be where you were. And then all of a sudden just sort of like disappeared for all intents and purposes. Yeah. So, um, well, basically that began when those guys heard me singing on that Bacon Andy's track that I was talking about, the cover song. And so they asked me to try out and the first song um, that I tried out ended up on the album actually. Um, And, 
you know, we just, we took it seriously. We went all in on that project, um, but we were young and took some things for granted, in my opinion, looking back. Um, so we did tour and we did, you know, we were signed to Equal Vision and um, it just, I think we just put a lot of pressure on ourselves to um, succeed and make it a full-time career. And, you know, so of course, as with any band, there was some arguing and, you know, stupidity. <laughs> and so the last uh, tour was actually the roughest thing that we had been through because there were some canceled shows and we actually got stuck in Detroit for a few days because of a blizzard. So we had to cancel some shows. And I think we were on that tour with uh, Coheed and Cambria for a little bit. And um, it was just a weird tour. And it just kind of like, and then at the end of that tour, the front axle of our van was breaking as we were driving home. So we had to actually stop and have that fixed, which just kind of put us over the edge, I think, <laughs> at that point. So it was like one thing after another. And then, uh, so we just kind of decided we weren't going to do it anymore. And then we actually were, we had South by Southwest booked and um, EVR basically convinced us to do that one last show and so we did do that and that was just not good not a good idea and then the band just broke up after that basically <laughs> and this was with vacant andes or rocking horse no that's rocking horse okay so the timeline i'm just still a little confused on that like what what year is this what state were you guys coming out of and like sort of what was that scene that was allowing you guys to sign with equal vision like you know because not everyone in their local band has a chance to sign with a label, let alone you've been on quite a few at this point, you know, and you also know Chris Caraba, like, how, where do you come from? And what is this like hotspot sort of that that allowed you to do all these things like to have a label beg you to play a last show seems like anyone's dream, you know, like, hey, guys, look, just please play one more show. Most people just want to have a label say anything to them. So I'm really curious about all that, you know? Yeah, totally. I totally get where you're coming from. And that's why I say I think we took a lot of things for granted back then. And we're not doing that this time. Um, every little thing that comes up, we appreciate. So, um, so basically, I mean, there back then the the music scene down here was thriving. Um, there were a lot of bands coming out of here and succeeding. Newfound Glory, friends of ours, um, you know, a lot of bands. Um, Shy Halud was around at that time. Oh, so you guys are like um, Florida then, like Gainesville, yes, yeah, Gainesville Florida. area, or, or is that too north? Gainesville's north of us. It's South Florida. Gotcha, South Florida. Okay. So, um, yeah, so we, we had, there was a lot going on at that time. A lot of bands were doing well and, you know, and there was a lot of support among the bands and a lot of like, um, sharing band member stuff going on. And, um, you know, so it was an awesome scene back then. And there, you know, the music scene down here is just really thriving. Um, so Basically, you know, the Vacant Andes thing that, that he was doing that, and then he started doing Further Scenes Forever, um, Chris I'm talking about, and then uh, Dashboard. So that's how that kind of um, led into each other. I'm sorry if I'm confusing you. <laughs> no, 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 this makes sense. Now, what's the year on all this? Like, what's the year that you guys were in a band together in the Vacant Andes, just so we can, like, get a starting point? Okay, well, I wasn't really technically in the band but i was doing backup with them and then when they would do um when they would play shows they would call me up to do that one song for you know the cover song um and i think that was i'm pretty sure it was around 97 98 possibly something like that gotcha maybe 92 and then um or it could have been before that actually um 97 was definitely i think the the first um dashboard album that i sang on so it was probably more like 96 something like that it's hard to it's hard for me to remember actually specifically. No, yeah, totally. I, it's, you're you're doing a good job though. Um, it's just so fascinating to because uh, that that Florida scene is something that like or the whole state honestly in like the late '90s, early 2000s has put out some of my favorite bands like Newfound Glory, Less Than Jake, to name a few. So yeah, those I, are kind of <clears throat> the only bands Chris listens to are bands like <laughs> pre 2005. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So I just like every time I get a chance to like talk about this, let alone with someone who was like around at that time, it's just I'm. I'm all about it, you know? So. Oh yeah, totally. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's weird for me to have come from that and not, um, 
be able to see it from an outside perspective because I was in it, you know? So it's, it's hard for me to remember exactly every, um, year because it happened so fast for me at that time. Um, but that's basically, that was the start before prior to vacant Andes. I had never done anything, um, musically. I'd never, um, that was really the first time that I ever recorded anything. And, um, I, I don't know. I just, I always loved to sing, but I never really did it. You know, I never, I was never in a band doing that before that. Um, so, you know, those things happened and then, uh, rocking horse started in 99 actually. And so we, we recorded an EP and we kind of self-released it. Just, you know, we made these like, um, CDRs, I guess, and, and handmade like a cover for it and, and just started like giving those out at shows, I think. Um, and then that led to us signing with, um, Ohev Records, which was a friend of ours. And that's, uh, State of Feeling Concentration came out on that, I think around 99, maybe 2000, something like that. So, um, can't remember exactly what happened, but I think maybe we were contacted by Equal Vision or something. I can't remember how that occurred, but they signed us, and that album was recorded and then released in 2002. No, no, that that makes sense. I mean, a, a lot of people, it, it's it seems that it all happens at a blur, especially back then when it's something so new. So it, it totally yeah. makes sense that some pieces might be missing. or Yeah, or and you don't really, really even fully understand what's going on until after it's already done. And by then you're like, whoa, wait, it's, uh, it's gone. But like, I just figured it out. <laughs> right. Yeah. I was just listening exactly. to uh, an interview on my way over here today um, with the band called Sing It Loud. And they were like a, a scene pop band for like three, four years. And this dude was talking about how he totally took it all for granted. You know, he was just like, cool. Well, it just pretty much all got handed to us and it happened so fast. And then it was over. And I was like, well, I'm 22 and I have no education. And what do I do now? So, <laughs> you know, it, it makes sense. It, it does make sense. But you know what I want to know about is because a lot of the listeners of this show are sort of like me and Andrew's peers. Andrew and I are in a band as well and you know we're, uh, we're we're just like I guess we've been in other projects before but this project is sort of starting to build some 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 foundation that we're we're, we're rolling with this is this is at least uh, everyone except Chris's first legitimate attempt at a band I guess right right and and so what I think is so fascinating about today is how easy it was for us to put out recordings get artwork just do that you know it's everything's on the internet all you have to do is type in hashtag artist for hire on spotify yeah i mean on us on instagram and then you can just find someone who's awesome at your rate to do the artwork you yeah know? we've we've been doing this in this band at least for maybe like a little over a year now like a year and a half or something but it, yeah. it feels like with everything we've done we've been doing this for like five ten years <laughs> it's crazy and so i think yeah. something that'd be interesting and also for our audience i hope like me uh, make us so appreciative of how good we have it now because you always hear that but you don't know like how hard was it to self-produce an ep get artwork do recordings back in like 99 97 you know because like where do you even look if you don't know someone yeah. within like your 50 mile radius yeah you can't just go Google it. Yeah, yeah, you can't Google it. Yeah. Well, um, we were fortunate enough to know James Wisner. And so all of the things that we did were recorded with him back then. Who's that? Um, we're, we're not familiar with him. Okay. Um, James Wisner actually recorded one of the Paramore records. Now he does a lot of Say bigger no more. band. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he's, he's now he's, you know, well known in the industry and that type of uh, music scene. Um, and so, but back then he was recording all of us. I mean, he recorded vacant Andes, he recorded dashboard, he recorded newfound glory. I'm pretty sure. Um, he just, he recorded a lot of, a lot of the local bands down here. Um, so he was like the engineer of your scene. I guess you could say, I mean, he was local and he was just learning, but he was good. You know, he was good at what he was doing. Um, so, and, you know, and he, and now he's doing much bigger bands, you know? So, um, but that's, we recorded the first EP, you know, it was, I guess you could call it an EP. I mean, it wasn't really released at the time. It was just kind of like a demo almost, but we did record it with him. Um, and then those songs were used for the first full length. So, um, but that's how we found him. And that was, so I guess that was basically word of mouth. I mean, we didn't have internet really 
going on, you know, wasn't like it is now at all, not even close. Um, so yeah, it's, it was difficult. <laughs> it was difficult to get your music out there as well because you, it had to be word of mouth and, and you had to like seek out your fans and, you know, it was not, or your listeners and it was not as easy as it is now. So I would say, yeah, it was a lot different back then. Now, what's your take on sort of seeing both perspectives of being someone who has professionally pursued art pre-social media and now in social media? Like, what is your take on the difference of that? Well, um, it's weird because it's almost like more difficult now for me because it's like, I, you know, you're competing with a lot more noise on the Internet, you know, so you're you're one of a million now. Whereas back then it was like here around here, um, there were, there were certain bands that were doing things and, and, you know, it was harder to get your name out there, but it was more like a niche thing, you know? And now it's like, there's so many bands. I mean, you can just, like you were just saying, you can just record your own stuff at home and release it. You don't even need a label necessarily sometimes to get your music out there. Um, so it's it's almost more difficult to compete with all the noise. You know, what do you, what do you think if you don't mind me asking? <laughs> well, so basically, you Wait, know, a guest just asked us a question. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, unprecedented. That's, I mean, we've always I, wanted it I'm to, uh, no, yeah. I, I love it. We've always wanted it to be more of a conversation, but it ends up being more of an interview. So this is great. Yeah. Honestly, this, <laughs> great. This, this is the first time I think the mission statement of the show has yeah. fully been finally, so Finally, the show has fulfilled its goal. This could be the final episode. Thanks, you guys, so much for listening. But you know what? Here, here's what I think would be super interesting, right? Because a little background on myself. I've been at this since I was like 13, 14. Now I'm 25. And I had a contract in the past with Victory. We were we were 18, 19 when we signed that, fresh out of high school. Didn't last very long, but I stuck in it. And so Andrew, I sort of dragged him along into this a little last minute. So I think I'm going to go first, if that's cool with you, Andrew. Hey, man. And then you, you go. Give... My name is first in the show. You can go first now. Okay, thanks. I had to get... He's the main host, so I had to get his good graces on this, you know? <laughs> and uh, so, so what I think is, you know, I grew up in like the chance scene in Poughkeepsie, New York. I'm not sure. Are you familiar with that? Yes. Mm-hmm. So we had, when I was like really little, like 14, 15, 16, I saw bands like Matchbook Romance, Just Surrender, We Are the In Crowd even, getting signed, being uh, scouted by labels and doing the thing, you know? Whether or not those bands went very far or went very long after that, that was a different story, but we were still on the map. And so for me, that was super inspiring. At that time as well, a lot of the younger kids in our scene, we were very hip to like getting on MySpace. And then we were all like, all of us in the scene back then, like we had Twitter like the first year it came out, you know, like I'm about to have Twitter for like 10 years. And so we were all just very hip to the social media thing. So, but, but I honestly think every single big step I've taken was word of mouth. I think social media was a great way for me to be a little less annoying when we're all hanging out in person about checking out my music. But I think like getting the shows that got us in front of the people that eventually like signed us and, and now like manage us and stuff and, and all these like small steps we've taken. I mean, we, we, we want to keep taking many more steps. Of course, we're still starting out, but I think it's honestly all been word of mouth. And I think it would have happened with or without social media. So I don't. Okay. Yeah. I just Interesting. think, you know, I think there's some people who know how to use it as a tool. Yeah. I don't think I'm the best at that. Interesting. Yeah. That's weird because, like, this is the first band I've really been in besides, like, one band I was in in high school for, like, a month. And, like, before before I was ever in a band, I toured with my friend's band, Hollywood Ending, back in the day, which was, like, a radio Disney pop band, and I was just selling shirts. But before we went on tour, like, I only knew bands from watching them on stage and watching them in music videos. I was just like, wow, it's so cool. And then, like learning that their albums were... When I discovered that my sister had all this music downloaded from LimeWire, it blew my mind. I was like, I'm taking all this music because I didn't even know this much music existed. <laughs> like, yeah. So that was really cool. And then when my when Hollywood Ending started and I saw them like do like stupid little video chats with like thousands of girls watching them on these video chats and then like them tweeting girls and girls getting like freaking out just because they responded to a tweet, I was like, this is crazy. Because, like, with the Beatles and stuff, you had to just go to where they were and scream at them and hope they even just looked at you. And then you'd freak out. <laughs> but nowadays, like, you can go on your phone and be like, yo, he might, like, you know, Justin Bieber might see my tweet and then respond to me. And I never need to see him and he never needs to see me. 
and like it's it's made like you know just like you said like there's so many more people putting music out but at the same time it's made like the connection between artist and fans so much closer and easier to get to which i think has helped you know at least maybe not the industry but like the i don't know like the user experience for a fan definitely social media has heightened that for music like i mean marshmallow had a freaking concert in Fortnite. like that's not (laughs) exactly social media but it's still like like you had Fortnite, you could see marshmallow in concert you know like (laughs) stuff is crazy now like i never would have thought that that was gonna happen yeah i agree you know i agree completely i mean i i do get you know direct messages or um, people commenting and I always respond. So yeah, I think that that's completely true. It makes, it makes people, um, it gives people the ability to have more access to the people that, you know, to the bands they listen to totally. So I, I I always get scared though, that I'm being a little too much about my art on social media, you know, like I Mm -hmm. don't want my friends to think that's the only reason I'm on there. Like I obviously want to keep in touch with them and interact with them too on a personal level. But so it's that, that's where I have issues with it too. Like what's the fine line? Like people say promote, 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 but like what is, is there too much promotion or is that just, it's okay because the feed is constantly being flooded with new. Exactly. That's like that. I still have no grasp on. Cause you got to walk that fine line of like enough promotion that people see it and they don't forget about it, but then that you don't cross that line and then they get put off. Cause they're like, Oh my God, all I see when I log on is Chris put out a new song. Like I get it, dude, you're putting out music. I'm not, I don't want to see this. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Which yeah, I think no, this was me just admitting to Chris that I'm tired of seeing him promote our band. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with that. I know it is it is hard because um, we do post a lot of shit all the time, and it's like, but but things are happening, so it's it's it is like a difficult balance, you know, not to annoy the shit out of everybody, but at the same time, I find that sometimes I post things and then people don't see it for weeks and they don't comment or they say, when are you playing locally? And I'm like, didn't you see, I just posted this like five times this week that were <laughs> these shows that we're playing, you know, whatever. So um, I don't think it reaches everybody. That's the heart. The whole analytics of everything is so weird that um, it's hard to navigate. Yeah. It's definitely not a perfect science yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. Right. And that's why I sort of like started off this conversation by telling you like you guys are constantly in my feed. And I think that's incredible because it's not too much. You have a very broad like span of content. Like sometimes it's a clip of a music video or you're posting some write up that you got. So like you guys do it in a way where it's like you're always there. And I follow probably like 500 people on my Instagram. So there's a lot of of things in my feed, but I'm always like seeing you guys pop up and it's I think you guys I I don't know I mean it seems like I think you're underselling your ability at social media because it doesn't (laughs) you know I think I'm annoying with it but I I think you guys are a solid example to follow present as far as present but never pushy exactly yeah cool cool awesome thank you for that feedback (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, no problem. Now, I, I do want to uh, jump into, um, we're about halfway through the chat here. So I sort of want to like, talk about like, what were you doing in between all this time of being an artist? You know, like, what was the day to day like before, you know, after Rocking Horse and before the Darling Fire? Um, well, I, you mean my day job? <laughs> just like what did you fill all that time with because obviously you wanted to be an artist right you were talking to us about being frustrated that you didn't have the yeah. ability to create music to sing on so so what was that like time period like that led up to the darling fire becoming a band well i did like i said i did um i was doing the that project with the guys in miami popfort um we did a record music together um and uh, and then i was doing uh some backups for other bands for friends. Um, and other than that, I'm actually, I actually, my day job is real estate and that's what I've been doing for years. Um, so that's my alter ego. So have <laughs> By you, day. have you put that on hold for the darling fire or have you been able to find like a solid blend of, of both of those worlds? Yeah, no, I still do both here and there. Um, so it's, somehow I'm able to do both. I don't know because this band has become a full-time job for me, even though, you know, we're not quite touring yet. Um, it is full-time, you know, the, just the social media and staying on top of, 
you know, things like this podcast and, and the video that we were making and all of those things, it's very time consuming. Um, but I still do have the other thing going on at the same time. Right. Yeah. That makes, that makes total sense because you have to pay the bills and still be like a member of society. You can't just drop off because you have been given a second, a second shot at like an amazing opportunity. So, so that, that, that makes sense. And that's something that, you know, for me, I've never really taken a break. Granted, I've been lucky most of my life. I've been able to have like my family support me and, and allow me to continue to do music. So everyone Mm -hmm. has their own path, but I, I do wonder about people who are like fully on their own then getting after it like some people find music way later on in life so yeah it gets tougher the 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 further from being like a child and having like the family foundation to back you so I always wonder about that but oh yeah absolutely yeah yeah we have to do some adulting <laughs> <laughs> yeah true doesn't Andrew know it yeah by morning I'm a talk show host or a podcast host, and by afternoon I'm a manager at AutoZone, and then by night I'm in a band. So you nice. gotta you gotta wear many hats. <laughs> yeah, you have to. I mean, unfortunately, you know, um, until until this becomes an actual full time project, which we're, is what we're working toward, um, I have to keep doing my other my alter ego. totally now i I do want to ask you about this because i'm curious from your perspective did you ever think that the internet would lead to i like to say the rise in the the independent label like our label anchor 84 your label spartan records you know did you ever think that there would be this like third outlet because obviously you've had the big indies for a long time you know equal vision epitaph a few we've spoken about already in this conversation but you know, like while there is way more voices to be heard in the internet, I also think there's there's way more people who are willing to listen to those voices. So so what's your take on that? And did you ever think that this would be something that would be possible, like sort of internet driven driven record labels? Yeah, no, I could never have imagined that. Um, but yeah, I think it's awesome that that there is that possibility, you know, Um you know, Spartan definitely has a niche thing. He's extremely good at choosing vinyl. Um, and that's his big, uh, draw for people. Um, there are a lot of vinyl collectors that love the design of his records. Um, and, and he's talented at that, you know, and, um, I definitely think that, yeah, the internet, if not for the internet, then these, uh, other labels wouldn't be able to, wouldn't have the voice that they have. Definitely. I think it's awesome. Yeah, it's so it's so fascinating because, I mean, funding is so a lot of people say nowadays, like you should be independent, right? That's the that's the best route that look at people like Chance the Rapper and, and Macklemore. Exactly. You know, they they were able to become celebrities, stars in their in their genre without ever any financial support. But I think that is a bit of it depends on your situation and how much of an impact you make. A lot of people still need funding. I know our band needed funding, and that's why it's great that we're working with Anchor 84, because not everyone can just blow up overnight. Yeah, totally. And so I sort of want to to ask you, like, what's that experience been like working with Spartan Records, who is, they're killing it. They've been doing great for quite some time now, but they're no Equal Vision, right? They're, they're newer. They haven't been around as long. And, you know, in a sense, these labels are still sort of finding their footing the same way that your band is. Right, exactly. Yeah, no, John's been awesome to work with. Um, he's the label owner. Um, he's been awesome to work with. He's been really passionate about what we're doing. Um, you know, as you can see, we've been getting a lot of press, um, and that's his doing, you know, um, and that's based on a discussion that we had with him in the beginning of what we wanted to do. And each situation with each band that he has, is different. Um, and he's kind of like developed this, uh, this thing with us, you know? Um, so, but he's been awesome to work with and, um, I definitely would recommend him. Um, if bands are thinking of contacting Spartan, um, yeah, so I mean, but, but like you said, he's newer. Um, so it's like maybe not as big as the things that we were getting with equal vision, but I mean, we've been getting a lot of 
press and it's all spread out. So it's all different things that have been coming up as you can see, which is great. You know, it's getting the word out in different ways. Yeah. And in my past experience, it's, it's way more personable and hands-on too, right? Like we were on victory and that was sort of, even though it was only like a two year, year and a half thing, everything was, we were told what to do, told where to go. And we did it. This, we sort of like customized in a sense, our game plan with the label. Yeah, it's very much a team effort. Yeah. And that's fascinating to me because that goes against why I think everyone's saying don't sign with the label in 2019. You know, I think there are people who are as much as artists are on the cutting edge and on the curve of social media. I think you just have to find the right people Mm -hmm. who are taking the same approach, right? Yeah, you just need people to share the vision. Right, exactly. Get it. Yeah, you have. I think the most important thing for a band's survival is the team that you build. That's one of the most important things because if they're not sharing your same vision or they're not passionate about what you're doing, then they're not gonna, you're not going to get the desired result. You know, so um, I agree that it's it's basically like a joint effort, and you know, um, the drummer Steve and I we we do a lot of work for this band and we were already doing that before we signed a Spartan and we said, look, we're still going to be doing the same amount of work that we do. Um, and we're just going to collaborate on what we do basically with Spartan and that's what we've been doing. So it's a, it's definitely a joint effort. Right. You need people to put in as much as you're putting in. Otherwise, why are you putting in that much? Yeah, exactly. And, and regardless of what other people are doing to help the band, we're still putting just as much time and effort because we believe in what we're doing and we're excited about it. And we, this is what we want to do. Yeah. We've talked to a handful of people that said that, you know, like a lot of people think that once you get signed, it's like, Oh, cool. Well now the the hard work is over now. Like I get to just do the fun stuff, but it's like, once you get signed, you kind of have to work harder so you can keep growing. And now that you have the backing, you can actually do what you want to do. I I think, you know, one of the things that I learned off of, the, the old the old project having a short run is you should never get too comfortable right yes. right like you're doing cool stuff today but how do you keep doing that tomorrow exactly and I you, think you could always ahead, become a one hit wonder <laughs> oh for sure yeah I mean hey look that doesn't sound like the worst though I mean true. I think the worst is getting a small taste of it and it going nowhere but yeah I know what you're yeah. trying to say I'm just saying you know you get one big hit that doesn't mean that uh, you're set it just means you gotta have another hit True. This is true. It's you have yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think that's a problem sometimes with bands these days is to you can't get lazy. You know, you have to if you want your band to succeed, you have to put the effort in. You can't just lay back and expect everyone to do everything for you. It's just not going to happen. And then it's going to and it can and like you said, it can go it can fizzle at any moment. You never know what's going to happen. So, you have to really like appreciate what you're what you have when it's happening and i think that's what a lot of people don't realize and what we didn't realize back then was what we had could go at any moment and we need to you know really appreciate what's happening as it's happening instead of looking back and regretting you know not appreciating it right you should all you should kind of almost never be satisfied you know yeah, like, exactly. like Paul McCartney said, he still hasn't written the perfect song, even though he's probably written like more number ones than most people ever. Right. I think it's just John Lennon, right? Who's beaten him or something? Well, him and John Lennon are behind Max Martin. Right. Okay. So, you know. That makes sense. But either yeah. way, he's like the second most successful songwriter of all time. And he's like, I haven't even written the best song ever. So right. I'm still going. I'm like, bro, you could have been done 20 years ago and done more <laughs> than anyone, than like me and 700,000 people put together would have done. Right. So I think that's a great example. Yeah, that's a good mindset to have because then it keeps you it keeps you driven. You know, if you think if you feel like you've satisfied your goal already, then there's nothing left to do. So yeah, it's just like my roommate told me a story. Like Fish played some seven hour concert on New Year's Eve, some in some crazy place, and it was like the greatest height of their career. And like everybody was like, "This was the greatest concert of all time." And they got off stage and looked at each other and they're like. But where do we even go from here? Like, what do we do? Yeah. And then they just fell yeah. apart. <laughs> like, they all like yeah. broke up eventually. It was crazy. So like, you definitely need to keep yourself in a mindset where there's always something more to attain. Because then once you attain what you thought was all you needed, then you're like, well, now I'm here, and now I don't know what to do. Yeah, 
Exactly. So with that being said, you obviously realize all this and you have a great team behind you. But I guess that starts from the people you're performing with. You know, so I want to know how Spartan Records came into the fold for the Darling Fire. And if there was a conversation between you guys being like, hey, look, we're a little older. There's there's no hiding that fact, but we have something here. We have great songs. So we either need to be all in or we can't do this. Like, like what, what was that like in the early formation of the Darling Fire? Okay, so basically, um, I don't know how much you know about how this started with Steve, but Steve, you probably know who Steve is. No, so no, was, um, we're not familiar. Okay. Take tr- okay. take us back from like the start of this, you know? Okay, so Steve Klaseth is our drummer, and he's he was in uh, Chris Caraba's other band, Further Seems Forever. And he was also in uh, some uh, bands down here, Shy Halud and um, Strong Arm, that are pretty well known in that scene. And he's been a friend of ours for a very, very long time. So he was one of the first people that we reached out to when we had actually the second song, the, the second song that we wrote was Omaha and that's on the album. So, um, we basically sent it to him and we said, Hey, listen, and we, we knew we wanted his style of drumming, his heavier style for this, because it, if it had a different style of drumming, it would sound much different. So we knew that we wanted him. So we reached out to him and we sent in the song and he took a little bit to get back to us. So to be honest, we were a little nervous. He didn't like it, <laughs> but he did respond and said that he loved it and he could totally see where we were going with it and that he wanted to do it. And he asked, one of the first things he asked me was, is this something that you just want to do as a project, which is what a lot of bands do that are, you know, just kind of getting together from different bands like, you know, the collaboration, they're usually just a project, you know, they'll do like a one-off album. They may do a tour, they may not. Uh, but we decided that we wanted to do it full time and that if he wanted to do it, he'd have to put everything into it with us. So we, that's when we made the decision, that was basically what we wanted to do. Um, so after we had him on board, um, we need decided we needed a second guitar player. And, um, that's when we brought Matt short in and we had just kind of like reconnected with him and he's a very talented guitar player. Um, so we brought him in and then Steve knew Greg, the dr- the bass player, and he's awesome. So he brought him in and then we basically just, you know, it started to grow and from there and, um, we were still writing songs. We, I think we had about seven other songs that we didn't release on this album actually that we wrote. Um, so all of the songs were written in a pretty short period of time. Um, but once we had most of the songs, well, actually I think we had two left that we hadn't finished. So I think we had six of these songs that were on this album were done. Um, Steve knew of John Spartan from previous, um, years and previous projects and so he kind of like reached out to him and and then it went from there and he said he liked what he heard and that he wanted to do something with us so that's that's i guess that's where where it all started (laughs) yeah no that that was uh that's great and it makes me have to ask what's that like being in a band with people who have all been in bands who have seen a level of success and still want it it's got to be i assume it's got to be super focused very mature and just highly productive, right? Yeah, we definitely have um, maturity in the band. I mean, we don't, if we're going to do this, we're, we're paying attention to what we're doing, you know, and we're trying to be professional at it. So, you know, when we play a show, we show up on time, make sure we're, we're all ready to go and we don't fuck around like a lot of people do. (laughs) We've noticed (laughs) with showing up late or not, not communicating things like that are not, you know, good. So that's, so yeah, it's awesome because we all have that in our background. We know that we can't fuck around. If we're going to do this, then we're going to pay attention to what we're doing and, and be professional, you know? So if that answers your question. No. Yeah. I I love that. Take nothing for granted is sort of like a phrase that I try and live every day by because 
you know, just to be able to talk to you right now on this podcast is is absolutely a gift. You know, you're in you're in Florida, we're in New York, the internet, and just by us all pursuing this creative path, this hustle has yeah. led us to this moment. So, and of we're course, doing this at my house, just like we were talking about. <laughs> right. Yeah, we're we're in Andrew's house, and it's just like a home environment, and it's just it's comfortable, and but we're still pursuing something. So, of course, we that that makes way too much sense <laughs> it's still scary because there's a long road to go for for both of us but it but we're in a good we're in a good spot it seems yeah yeah totally it's always going to be scary what you're when you're trying to do something that you want to do you know it's always going to be scary right so you and you don't want to and you want it to be scary because if you're too confident then you're going to get cocky and you're going to take it for granted that's the whole thing you know the vicious cycle it is <laughs> so, you know, you may not know this, but most of our audience is sort of Andrew and I's peers, people who are, you know, where we're at, if not a few steps behind. And I think that I, I ask this question every episode because I'm curious, you know, we're doing this to learn. We're trying to take a little something out of this episode. It's a very selfish show. It is a very selfish show. But with that being said, I feel like you may have some of the most to offer in this in this department. What is your advice to someone who is pursuing art professionally someone who is maybe a little newer in like their like mid-20s sort of like me and Andrew or even like in like the teenage years someone who is just starting out and hasn't seen success or failure yet okay um well I would say put everything you can into it if that's what you want to do you know don't be afraid to take chances and and do it full-time if that's what you want to do you know, there are going to be people that are going to tell you that's not going to happen or you're not going to succeed. I mean, trust me, we've we heard it, especially at our age. You know, we're told that um, or people question whether or not we're serious about doing this full time. And we are, you know, um, so if it's something that you want to do, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't none of that matters. What matters is your creativity and what you want to do. And you cannot let naysayers or people that don't believe in it uh fuck you up <laughs> i don't know how else to put it no and yeah for sure it will, it will eat your creativity and you can't let that get into your head you have to just keep doing what you want to do you know if that's what you want to do then do it and if it doesn't if you don't succeed at least you tried you know but if you don't try you'll never know very true that that You're, was awesome you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take yeah, I think Michael Scott true. said that. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Um, so, so we would be uh, bereft if we if we left you without speaking about your your new album and also your music video for Saints in Masquerade. It's visually stunning. It has this darker undertone, which I think really complements the music. Mm -hmm. But I can't quite figure it out. And if you don't want to tell us, maybe that's the part of the mystery. But we'd love to hear what you have to say about that video. Yeah, because like looking at it, it looks amazing and the song's amazing and it was all really cool. But the, it just felt like something went over my head. Like there's a, there's <laughs> a there's a vibe for sure, and it's very mysterious and eerie. Oh, I know. Like there there's definitely something there, and I feel like I'm almost there, but I can't figure it out okay so so you want like an analysis of the video yeah hit me with an um, analysis yeah, like the inspiration the analysis you know because we, we loved it it was we've watched it a few times give us the inside cool. scoop cool okay so well let me just give you a little background on what happened with that actually if you don't mind um it was a kind of a i mean in in most situations you have a little more time to plan and and prepare for a video but we didn't we basically just like a two or three weeks before we filmed it, we decided we were going to do it and we wanted to do it at that time because we wanted to get it out you know, before the album came out. We decided we wanted to release a video. Um, so we basically collaborated back and forth with Ian Fursa, the director. Um, we told him what we wanted for as far as like the whole overall vibe and the smokiness and the kind of like, you know, the, the kind of like retro look to it, you know, it's kind of like stranger things kind of vibe, I guess we realized after, you know, so we knew what we wanted and then we didn't think that we were going to pull it off in the short time that we had. He had planned to do it in five days and what happened ended up happening was because we had all the scenes, uh, given to us, basically all the sets given to us. Um, 
we pulled it off in two days. So we didn't think that was going to happen at all. Not even close. So basically the, but the video is basically kind of like a commentary, a social commentary. It's basically these people are living in the past and they're afraid of the, of technology and the, the future being, or the, the present being the eighties, not the current present and the past being like the fifties, sixties. So this married couple are set in their ways and they're afraid of the technology and they're afraid of everything that's happening in the world. So they basically isolate themselves and they want their children to also follow suit and their children or their daughter doesn't want to, she wants to embrace technology and she wants to be play video games and she wants to have fun, but they don't want her to. So basically they draw her in and by the end of the video, she's become one of them. And that's what that, I, th- I think I basically encapsulated everything. There. All right. Yeah. You just cleared that entire thing. up, wow. And that's really, really, really I think cool. I, I have two thoughts on that. One, That is very Blade Runner-esque. Two, I think you need to get this in the hand of a screenwriter and have them adapt that (laughs) because that is a really cool... I'm like a sci... I consume sci-fi in any form, right? Uh, Anime, sci-fi, video games. Love it all. That is a new take. That is a hot take on sci-fi. Yeah, that's actually really cool where it's like the sci-fi is happening and most people are like, yeah, let's do it. But then there are people who are like, nah, we I mean, don't mess I, with that. I'd be sad if you if you wanted us to, but we can cut this out if you don't want anyone to steal that because that <laughs> feels like it's, yeah. gotta, it's a we gold can just, plot We could just bleep that whole analysis out and just have people go see the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and, then you, and then the Darling Fire can just, you know, write all the music for it. It, it kind of sells itself. It's a whole new marketing idea. Now, does, does the song's meaning coincide with that or is that a separate... Is that a separate sort of idea you just had specifically for the video? Honestly, the song's meaning and the lyrics that I wrote are a separate concept. Okay, so it's just sort of like the song is just like a nice backdrop for that. To be honest, the song is a fuck you song. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, all right. Tell tell us about that. Yeah, tell us how you really feel. I don't don't really want to... uh, elaborate too much because i don't want people to to listen to it and have like a too specific of a meaning uh gotcha okay fair enough but i'm but that's basically what it is it's basically a commentary on um certain things in society and um yeah i don't want to go too deep into it because i don't want to ruin people here when they listen to it but that's basically what it is for me personally well, I'm uh, sure that plenty of people have uh, felt very fuck you before, so I think that that's smart. <laughs> yeah. So the album title Dark Celebration, in a sense, has, has never been truer because obviously like life could be worse, but there are still, everyone has those dark feelings. Yeah, so I mean, the album title is because we went through some dark things, all of us, you know, and we basically that we're celebrating um, life and success after those things. I mean, any, anything that happens to you that's negative, there's always something positive that comes out of it. It never fails. So that's basically what that is. That's what that means. Just got to break through to the other side. Yeah, you just have to through those things and, and take them and learn from them, you know? Now, before we let you go here, we have like a sort of a new segment and we know you've spoken a lot about it already on the show, but like the first word that comes to mind when you think about what it is you do on a daily basis, like what what word is that? <sighs> and then and then you can elaborate on why you picked that word. So yeah, don't, don't, yeah, yeah, don't stress yeah. too much about the single word. I just think it's to see what word comes to people's minds when they think about their art and their like journey. Um. Okay, that's difficult. Let me see. There are a lot of words to pick from. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say what what I do on a daily basis. Um, exciting, I guess. Exciting. Okay. I like it. And how do you excite? How, how is it exciting? Um, because I never, I, every day that I wake up, I have no idea what's going to happen that day with this band. I have no idea what's going to come down the line and what's going to happen. Um, and I always have something to look forward to. Um, you know, like playing a show or doing a podcast with you guys or, you know, something like that. So I guess that, just uh, you know every day can is exciting because i never know what's gonna happen well it's cool that you chose exciting and not nervous then because it means that your mindset seems pretty positive yeah there's always nervousness <laughs> <laughs> right i guess if you're not if you're not nervous then you're not working hard enough 
yeah. Very true. Well, that that was great. And, and it's very interesting to see what uh, people say. The last guest said create, and his sentence after that was, I would not have thought he would go into that off that. So, yeah, that, that, was, that was awesome. And thank you again for being a part of this. We really appreciate you taking time out of your day to chat with us. And, yeah, and thanks well, thank for uh, being the first guest to interview us for a second. Yeah, that was great. That was awesome. Um, and so before we let you go, what is it that you want to leave the people with? Where can they find you? And what song do you want us to play at the end of the episode for everyone to listen to? Okay, um, I would say look for us on the road. Uh, we're we're, try- we're planning a tour right now, actually, um, for October. So we're going to be doing that very soon. And um, you can find us on Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter, The Darling Fire, um, our website, darlingfire.com. And uh, we have a lot of information on there. And as far as the song to play out, um, Saints and Masquerade, why not? Then without further ado, here's Saints and Masquerade by The Darling Fire. Thanks again for coming on. Mm-hmm.